Hey everybody, Cody here, Wax Packs and Warning Tracks with my guest Scotty B of Scotty B Cards is coming up shortly, but before we get to that, we want to let you know about a special deal over at MojoBreak.com. We still have our 10% off deal going on. If you want to get in on a group break, now is a great time. If you enter the code FINALS10, that's FINALS10. Get your basketball cards, the NBA Finals in full swing, baseball season, all-star games coming up in about a month. Maybe you want to start getting those guys you think are heading to Hollywood for the all-star game. Make sure to go to mojobreak.com. Enter the promo code FINALS10 to get 10% off your next break with mojobreak.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Cody Pasby back with you for another episode of Wax Packs and Warning Tracks, Bojo Breaks Baseball Card Podcast. Got a lot to talk about on the show today. If you haven't heard, Tops is releasing Series 2 Baseball. Should be a time of rejoice, fun. We're completing the set, the flagship set of Tops Baseball. It's what we love about baseball cards. It's what got us into baseball cards. Unfortunately, the news right now has shaken the hobby community. The baseball card collecting community is, uh, I won't call it a controversy, but I guess there's some people who are not so happy about the checklist. Uh, yeah, there's guys like Bobby Witt Jr. and Julio Rodriguez and Jeremy Pena, huge rookie stars who got called up and have made impacts on their team, and they're not in this set. There's a lot of reasons why, and I'm not here to judge, and we're going to talk about what is going on with top series two and what future releases of tops baseball for the season of 2022 that's the season we're in right now are going to look like with scott baldwin you know him better as scotty b of scotty b cards on youtube one of the best baseball card channels on youtube gotta check him out if you love baseball cards he's a must watch i talked to scott about top series two about what to expect from the release calendar and much much more on this week's episode here is my conversation with scott Thanks so much for coming on. We've been trying for a while and uh, happy to have you on the show. And I was telling you right before we started recording, the timing is actually perfect with uh, some of the, con- I don't know what to call it controversy, but certainly some some disgruntled baseball card collectors and fans right now with the, the announcement of Top Series 2, which we'll get into. But uh, first of all, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Like you said, it's been a, a couple of months in the making. We keep missing each other. But I'm glad we finally could make it work. And like you said, just in time for, I would call it controversy. This is about as big of a controversy as we get outside of scammers and whatnot. So I'd argue it's good controversy in comparison. Yes, absolutely. We'll take this controversy over, you know, the card cutting and trimming and, and, and scammers and whatnot. We'll take that. But uh, before we get into that, uh, you have got, uh, you have really grown uh, a, a fantastic following on YouTube. I'm a big fan of the videos, uh, just some of the best baseball card content you can find. So uh, really appreciate as a collector just to be able to watch that stuff every week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great stuff. So I want to ask, I always ask everybody when they come on the show, sort of like your baseball card history how'd you get into cards uh did you have like a gap in between and then what led you to do the youtube channel yeah so great question so the first thing thank you at the channel um i appreciate everybody who does watch the videos and subscribes it's it's really fun to 
be able to communicate and share my thoughts and people also enjoy them sometimes, which is great. Uh, but back to my personal history. So I grew up collecting Pokemon cards, you know, back in, I was born in 1995, 27 years old. And so I was collecting Pokemon cards back in 1999 to 2002 um, when I was, how old was I? Like five or six years old. And then 2003 Topps basketball came out and I had, I wasn't trying to buy a LeBron or anything. That was just the first year I was old enough at age eight that I transitioned to sports cards. So my very first blaster box was 2003 Topps. I pulled a Carmelo Anthony rookie, probably worth maybe two bucks now, maybe five bucks. I have no idea what they're going for at this point. Probably 50 to 100 bucks in COVID, but you know, they're back down to earth, just a base rookie card. But that kind of got me into sports cards. I collected basketball basically all the way until about 2010. Um, I wasn't really a big baseball fan. And then I had a friend make the big leagues you can see if you're able to see the video there's a billy butler poster in my background and he made the kansas city royals back in like 20 2007 you know he was starting to play a lot and and because of that i started to watch him a lot and then i really became a big baseball fan as i got older i, lo I love the history of the sport that's one thing other sports just don't have necessarily is they don't have a history that spans back 150 years i like how you can compare easier you know babe ruth to mike trout versus george mike to shack it's just completely different so i enjoyed that about the hobby and then i just love vintage and baseball is the only sport that's had consistent vintage for forever so all those things have led me now to baseball card collecting you know i would have been wise to have stayed in basketball with how much it exploded again in 2020 just because my baseball didn't go up as much but it's about the love of the hobby more than anything else yeah, I, I gotta say, uh, you said Billy. You mentioned Billy Butler because I watch it. I've, I've watched your videos now for a while, and I don't know if I ever heard about the connection. And it's like light bulb <laughs> just went off. Like, oh, I was like, oh, he likes Billy Butler PCs. Cool, that's cool. Everyone's got their guy, and uh, well, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, man, Billy Butler was uh, what was he on that World Series team uh, in 2014? If I'm correct, uh, when they went up against the Giants, uh, or no. was it? Was he already in Oakland at that point? I, uh -huh. I get it mixed up. Okay, he went to Oakland, so he was with. Kansas City in 2014 when they went to the World Series and didn't okay, win. So the, that's right. And then he right. signed a three-year contract with Oakland, which was not a great contract for either side. It just, it just yeah. didn't work. And then he had a little stint with the Yankees about 10 games, and then that was his career. But I recall that. he was a good ball player. He just played at the wrong time. You know, he was a traditional DH. You know, he could have done much better uh, 10 years prior. Or even now where the whole league has a DH. It was just a, a very interesting time with baseball, that transition from sluggers to – using the DH as a primarily a rest day or utility guy. But yeah, so he, he married my sister's best friend from high school. And oh, wow. so he also okay. coached basketball with my dad. He was my dad's assistant coach in the off season. My dad taught uh, coached varsity basketball in Idaho. And so because of all of that, he's just been a, he's been a really good guy. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool that that that's such a cool way to get, to get into it, to get into baseball. Uh, and Hey, yeah, he was, he was a great player. And that part of that first world team to, uh, to make to the world series, that was an totally. incredible run those first few years. Um, so, uh, let's, uh, that's also, by the way, the fact that you're like, Oh yeah, let's, uh, let's start collecting these basketball cards. And literally, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, we do some giveaways around here where we'll do like every once in a while, like part of a special, you know, like, uh, the sort of like buyback stuff we do, uh, where we give away, uh, we will, 
give away one pack of 2003-2004 oh, wow. from basketball as part of it. Uh, and the thrill of like being able to open even just a pack of that is like my heart races every time. Like even though I know you know the best guy you're gonna get is probably Mike Michael Petrius or something. <laughs> not you're not getting LeBron or Melo or Wade, but uh, boy, uh, pretty good timing uh, to get back oh, in the totally. hobby. As well. I wish I would appreciate it and kept the cards in shape. You know, if I would have just kept that blaster sealed, it'd have been awful quite a bit compared yeah. to what I did with them. But it's funny. I'm just glad I can say I opened one. Never pulled a LeBron rookie out of that set, but it was still a lot of fun. It's something to tell the grandkids one day if they're saying, oh man, those five million dollar LeBron cards, you know, <laughs> you know, well, you know, I opened one for about uh five bucks when I, when I came out. Uh definitely get them uh interested. And the same goes with the Pokemon stuff, because that I would say that's I think there's a theme I'm noticing, uh especially with people that are all around our age. We're, we're I'm a little older than you but uh it was the same thing collecting pokemon and they, that got into baseball and you know it's uh it is incredible that uh, pokemon has one persevered throughout the years and it is open i think for this entire generation of collectors that i agree uh, are so much more pat i think the passion is like huge compared to what it was you know 10 20 years ago and it really all stems from pokemon it's pretty incredible it's the gateway drug yeah, it's a funny other way. It really is. It really, really is. Gets us addicted to ripping packs. Yeah, and we are absolutely all in, uh, addicted and can't stop it. And uh, this has been a good year for baseball fans to be that because uh, this, I think, was hyped by a lot of fans, myself included. I felt this way going into the year that this is going to be one of the biggest years for baseball cards. You know, I had some conversations with guys a few months ago where uh, it was like, the thought that you know football has had its moment since this boom basketball has had its moment the mellow and all of that and football now with all the incredible rookie qbs baseball hasn't maybe necessarily had that huge boom like those sports even though it's done fine and this felt like that year where you got wander and you've got julio rodriguez bobby witt adley rustman all these incredible young players and so that leads me to what we were talking about earlier that series two checklist came out and it kind of felt like tops hit the prices wrong, the prices right, losing horn on the entire <laughs> hobby of just like, oh no, what happened? Like O'Neill Cruz is the biggest chase, and Hayes, yeah. a great, great young player, but boy, uh, it just it, I, there's a lot of reasons why this is happening. But I just want to get your feelings when you first see that checklist. What were some of the first thoughts going through your mind? Was it? Um, this is something I maybe expected because of everything that's been going on because of the weirdness of the last few years, or was this a genuine shock that they didn't even as, as, as it seems today, I mean, they could do something where they include a short print or something, but right, as of right now, those big rookies that have already made their debut as of opening day aren't in this thing. Yeah. So I was a little surprised, you know, I wouldn't say shocked this. I do know that those players you mentioned will be, in some set because of their tops now card you know tops now is a set where if a player makes their debut they make a card of it and these players all had rookie logos so i knew they'd be in some set at some point throughout the year i was surprised not one of them made it so that's that's kind of what really bothered me you know all these players didn't quite make it and it's annoying just because they made the opening day rosters a lot of them i know that cj abrams did i know that bobby witt did and i know that julio rodriguez all did but it wasn't necessarily surprising in the sense that 
if tops was trying to time the market perfectly with series two, cause they weren't sure if there's going to be a shortened baseball season. Plus, you know, the supply chain issues coming in from wherever they're getting their material from and all these different situations where they'd be more straightforward players. They knew would have rookie cards. You know, that's why O'Neill Cruz played two games at the end of last year, which is why he's a rookie and same with Shane Boz and all these different players. But I wouldn't be surprised because of that situation they include short prints because they still want it to be a worthwhile product. And that's where we might see one of Bobby Witt or Rodriguez snuck in there. I know they have rookie autographs in the checklist, but I, I was a little disappointed. I think we all saw it. We're just like, this isn't even worth ripping because the odds of pulling the one image variation that's worth money of those specific rookies, if that's what it is, is not worth buying a case. Right. It's just not really worth it. Uh, but at the same time, as a singles collector, I'm excited if that is the case because it actually values the rookie cards more than the Wander Franco in Series 1 was worth just because it's more short-printed like the back down Acuna from 2018 Series 2. But definitely a controversy. And I've hoped Tops would do this more. I hope they would short print and super short print the rookies just because we're in an era now where base rookie cards are just not worth anything. I think we all have four to five Wander Franco rookie cards right now yeah. just because there's so many. But this might be an opportunity to make another bat down situation or the Bryce Harper 2012 series two super short print. That's his flagship rookie. You know, those type of situations make me excited as a collector just because it's more rare, makes a chase more worthwhile. But if they're not in there, the set is going to be awful. Just plain and simple. It will be right. awful if they're not in there. Yeah. It, it, it does seem like if they do have these super short prints of, of J rod and uh, maybe Torkelson wit uh, that it, it almost is sort of, uh, almost by accident sort of a test run here for tops of like is this yeah. the future of what series two becomes that it is this like chase for these super super tough cards to pull and is that going to entice enough collectors uh because yeah if we find out later this week uh as we're recording this uh at the beginning of the week this uh, top series two comes out on friday uh if we find out that yes these things are in here then yeah this is going to suddenly go from one of the more disappointing products to i think there is going to be a massive chase especially with the month Julio Rodriguez just had if he's in yeah. there uh, to me. I mean, I'm wit obviously is the star, the top prospect getting called up on day one, but I think J rod is the guy who has carried that momentum uh, throughout the season. He looks great. The Mariners are playing a little bit better too. So uh, it does, I think take it potentially to that level. And does tops, does it work for tops? I'm not, so sure if you can just keep dangling that carrot of like maybe there's something um and also i think uh you know i think you talked a little bit about it on your video but what it means for i mean for tops chrome which is uh, really the the big release when we're thinking about uh for their at least for one of the the big consumer products for tops is suddenly that checklist if i'm a consumer and i'm thinking well Update is definitely going to have, you know, the some of these big guys that have been called up uh, afterwards. If you're not are going to have J-Rod and Wit and all those guys, um, then why even bother with Topps Chrome? And I'll just wait for Update. Uh, what are your thoughts on what what it means for that Topps Chrome set coming up? Yeah, so Ben Baller, he does the Ben Baller Topps Chrome every year. It's just a variation with like a cracked ice and like a chain yeah. on the side. He made a tweet. I'm trying to find it real quick. He tweeted a tweet. He didn't make a tweet. But he tweeted about this Topps Chrome Ben Baller set and how the Wit and the Rodriguez are included as short prints, I believe is what he said. Okay. So they will be in there. But we said we saw that same thing with Jared Kellenic last year. 
of him being a super short printed Todd Scrum. And maybe he's so short printed that no one's ever pulled it. But at this point, he hasn't been pulled yet. So you don't really want to hold your breath for that base card. But if that's the case, if Ben Baller has that secret information we've all been wondering, then that's a good sign. Uh, I would be, think of it this way. Nolan Arenado, and then you have Cody Bellinger, and you have Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon. They all have Topps Chrome rookie cards in Topps Chrome, but they also have their flagship rookie in Topps. I mean, in Topps Update, which in turn has Topps Chrome Update with the same image as their flagship rookie. And because that Topps Chrome Update matches the flagship rookie in Topps Update, they go for a premium. Yes, because they're also more short printed because it's a less printed set back in the day but people want to match the chromium to what is the iconic card yeah. and sometimes those tops chrome that are just like short prints well short prints not necessarily but if they're just like the uh insert it's a little bit different image variation and stuff it's just not as sought after but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out every year with sports cards we can look at the past and try to predict the future but it's all just so random with what tops does and that's why every once in a while when something sneaks through the cracks is when it becomes valuable you know so I'm hoping they have short prints in both sets, but I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't in Series 2, but I would be extremely surprised if they weren't in Topps Chrome in some capacity. Yeah. I, I think you're on it, that it's it, there's just too much at stake if you're Topps. Like, this is, you know, I, I think it really, with this, with what's going on with Series 2, is it really just kind of comes down to the logistics of everything right now. I don't think Topps wanted to release a set without these huge rookies. I mean, it just doesn't make good business sense, frankly. Uh, if they could, they would have Bobby Witts and J-Rod, and they would have them basically like touting them like buy the set because these guys are in it. So. Totally. Yeah, you know, and yeah, they're, I don't think they're going to mess around with Chrome. They're going to figure out a way. Like they, they got to get these guys in there, uh, or else, yeah, they're just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. And you can only go with Wander hype so long. And that's the other thing I think that is getting is starting. Yeah. We're getting in that dangerous territory. You mentioned Jared Kelnick that they're like, hey, Kelnick's coming, Kelnick's coming, and then it got pushed to a point where. Kelnick, I don't want to call him a dud yet or a bust, but I mean, he gets sent down again. And I think the hype has certainly gone way, way down on him and maybe kind of pushing that that too far with him. Now you're seeing Wander's doing fine, but he's hurt right now. And before yeah. he got hurt, the bat was kind of slowing down a little bit. I think he'll be fine. He's a fantastic player, but yeah, there's only, you know, I, I wonder what's going to happen with the Wander market after we see Series 2 tops Chrome. And now we've got multiple versions of his rookie card um i guess yeah i guess i'll ask you what, what do you think the wander market how does the wander market play out here over the next few months is now we're getting the first rookie card now a series two rookie card and then obviously what's going to happen uh with chrome and the like yeah i do want to say one thing about my previous comments i can't yeah. find the ben baller tweet anymore so i don't know if it was fake or if it was deleted <laughs> so i just want to say that you know Okay. Even a 27, we can act old and miss stuff. But I still think he did say it. But back to your Wander question. Yeah. Uh, with Wander Franco, he's played good. Like, I know, like, his numbers aren't perfect. He has, like, a 117 OPS plus. He's not as good as he was last year necessarily. But he's still over, I believe, 1.2 to 1.5 war. On pace for a 4 to 5 war season as a 21-year-old. He's still good. But it's just because I think we expect him to be Mike Trout that his cards go down. And that's just kind of what happens in the hobby. We're so excited for the hype, but once we see the final product, it's not as exciting and enticing. So I think there's already downwards pressure on his market because we already all know there's going to be 40 different sets with his rookie card, not exaggerating, probably 40 different sets. And now if we have a series one rookie, a series two rookie, 
Um, I know that the cardboard connection checklist has a rookie logo, but then the Beckett checklist does not say the rookie logo. So who knows what it will say, but either way, it'll be his second flagship card of his rookie year. And it's just, if it does have that rookie logo, it will devalue his parallels and rare image variations so quickly that it's kind of a frustrating point as a collector, especially if I believe in Wander and bought the black PSA 10. I don't know if this is sold, but like a black PSA 10 number to 71 or 72 for five to $10,000. Now they know there's a second black. That's where I think people are going to be burnt. But I don't want to say Tops is silly enough to let that happen because it's shooting themselves in the foot next year for Adley Rutschman and for Nolan Gorman when they're in series one, why would yeah. we ever want to really chase them at that point? But there's a series two or update rookie coming out. And that's just kind of my thoughts. It's, it's a dangerous game. You know, tops is doing their best to be a business and make money, which is their job, but they also need to be careful with keeping us happy because we buy their product. So it, it's a hard thing. Yeah. I, I think if maybe they could go back and seeing how the hobby has reacted and clearly they put Wander in here again as sort of because they probably knew two, three months ago that we're releasing this without these big guys because it, this has been done. This has been uh, this has been printed. We're ready to go with this because of the lockout and whatever you want to, you know, uh, and, and all the like what all the problems going on with the, with with so many, you know, industries and whatnot um, that that maybe if they could go back, they'd say maybe we don't do another wander in this set but clearly it was i think it was a move to please fans to be like hey look we don't have all the big guys but here's wander again we all love wander uh so hopefully it doesn't backfire i think i think in the long run it's it's just another little footnote i think for people who have been collecting baseball cards long enough the chris bryant is it a first bowman is this the first bowman that yeah. sort of stuff like it's just another chapter i think for that where you know it'll be kind of a fun thing to be like well i've got all of those wander rookies i've got this red or this one or this one so uh hopefully that's what it ends up being and i think that's probably where it ends up landing in about a year is that the series one is going to be the one you want and then in tops chrome you're going to see that series one and that's going to be the one i think everybody's chasing hey, uh you know 10 20 don't years. forget don't forget about the 2020 Bowman's Best Camp or 2021 Bowman's Best yes. Camp. Yes, people really like that card. That's right. I I'm... to give that shout out to those listening and saying <laughs> it's not a rookie. The Bowman's Best. And <laughs> if that's what you feel, totally collect that card because I will yeah. say a lot less of them in comparison to Series One. So that's very true. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're talking about Series Two rookies. It's like please, we're that we're we're three, four, five, <laughs> you know, steps away from that at this point. Uh, you did mention I saw your latest video. You mentioned a few rookies you do like from the set. Is there anybody here that you think maybe does have a future here as a if you're a collector? Every set with tops, even if you look back like at 2018 Series 1, everybody hated 2018 Series 1, but there's still good rookies out of it. There's Alex Bregman, there's Ryan McMahon for the Rockies, Raphael Devers, you have Ozzy Albies. There's always good rookies in sets that you never anticipate, and it's almost yeah. never the person you ever predict. <laughs> there's great pitching in this product. And so if you like undervalued pitching, go buy some of these young starters. You don't have McKenzie Gore. He's going to be an update, most likely. Yeah. I doubt he's a series two update and he's probably the best pitching prospect we've seen in a long time, but there will be some good pitching, you know? So I think there are some potential sleepers, but nobody I would recommend at this point. <laughs> it's all so random when they don't have such a highly touted, you know, minor league system ranking, all this crazy stuff. But I think there will be some sleeper picks in there. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, you mentioned him in the video. Joe Ryan is a guy that Joe is, Ryan, looks been so great. impressive. Man, a little he looks older, so good. you know, that's yeah. the bad thing with Joe Ryan for card collecting. At least I think he's younger than I am. So maybe I'm calling myself old, <laughs> but I'm not making the Hall of Fame, you know, and for Joe Ryan, it'll be hard because of that age. And I want yeah. So that's kind of thing to look for the young guys. So you have time to make a return on your cards. Yeah, exactly. If you're in for the quick flip, then, hey, knock yourself out. There are, I think, a few guys. Him, uh, Juan Yepes has been a guy on my radar for yeah, a few months Yeah, he's been great here. with the Cardinals. I mean, Cardinals, I, I feel like every single week of the show, I'm mentioning another Cardinal who just got called up or a big prospect like Gorman. Uh, Brendan yeah. Donovan has been just a, a revelation for that team. Uh, <laughs> it is like they are the weirdest. If you're a baseball collector, they are the weirdest team to follow because there are these like super like Libertor and Gorman who are like no doubt top prospect guys and then these other guys on the other side who you know the tommy edmonds of the world and those guys who are the of tyler o'neill's last yeah, year for example they fly under the radar for so long and then suddenly like that they just look like all-star perennial all-star so uh they that's what they do best at the st louis Cardinals. so there's going to be a I, diamond in the rough for sure totally and i think shane boz is the pitcher for the i believe the rays yeah. i think he's hurt right now he'll be great too i think he'll be a really good pitcher but Again, pitchers just don't get the same love in the hobby. So it's a little bit tougher. Definitely a little bit tougher than most sets. Probably yeah. one of the not so clear sets you've had in a long time. <laughs> so Yeah. Should be very interesting to see. I think Tops knows exactly what the expectations are now for Tops Chrome. Um and hey, like I said, we're, we're, I think we've said it a few times. If they end up having some short prints of Julio Rodriguez with Jeremy Pena, a guy who maybe yeah, uh, one of your we've ignored him completely. He's great. Yeah. Hey, I mean he could be your A rookie of the year. Say Suzuki's been good. You know, another yes. rookie. Um, one thing I'll say is I don't think Topps is a, a smart company, right? They want to make money. And if they want Topps Chrome just to be insane, then they are going to put some of those players in there. So I'm, yeah. I'm confident that those players, at least some of them, some of the higher na- like tiered names will make it. So I think, I think it's a pretty safe bet that at least two to three of those guys we just mentioned, if not more, uh, end up making it into Topps Chrome. And if that happens, because even last year, I think, I don't want to say Topps Chrome was a letdown because it was so tough. There was, I think there was a lot of expectations for Topps Chrome last year where yes. it's such a huge rookie class with Joe Adele and Bohm and Joey Barton, so many guys that, you know, there's about five or six other guys I haven't even mentioned. And then none of those guys really hit it off in the major league. So I think there was mm-hmm. kind of a letdown from collectors, whereas this year, there is the potential now, I think, really seeing what we have seen over the last few months. And, you know, with like I've already mentioned, Rodriguez from Wander. Um, I know Wit has been a little up and down, but like defensively, the guy is just phenomenal at times. And and it looks like he has put it together in a few games at the plate. So I think there is like reason to believe if those guys are in it, this is going to be as big a set uh, anticipated a set for collectors we've seen in a while. A very long time. I would say, yeah. like, obviously, tw- 2018 Tops Update was the last mega set. You could even argue 2019 Series 2 because you had Vlad, Tatis, Eloy, Pete Alonso. But 2018 Tops Update was just different with Acuna, Soto, Glaber, Otani. Everybody you want was in that product. And this could be the same situation in Tops Chrome. And I hope it is. You know, I hope that's the case. Definitely. Yeah. Would be phenomenal. And I think everybody, all would be forgiven. If we got some, <laughs> if we saw that checklist and we saw all these guys we mentioned and more, whew, it would be uh, exciting. It would be strap up. This is going to get, it's going to get a little crazy in the hobby. Over the I, I'm just happy Tops is releasing their products during the regular season. Unlike Panini with football. Holy cow. With prison yeah. football just coming out after the season's over. I'm glad 
we're not to that point with baseball cards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the you know, it, it is the like it's the double edged sword. I think that we've been talking about around here is as we're now you know fully in on, on prison football and the release has been great now that it's finally here. But there is like one side of it where you're tops and you say we have to hit these deadlines, lockout, be damned, you know, all these things be damned. <laughs> like we have to hit these deadlines and it's going to cost the product like Series Two. Um, but you're at least going to release your stuff during the season, and I think I would prefer that over like you know we're a weeks away from mini camp in the nfl and yep. we're just getting that hockey has been i mean we are about to hit the stanley cup final and we're still in 2020 2021 products for hockey which oh, is dang. incredible that what's happening there so uh if you had to so i guess for me it's like things could be like if, if you're asking one or the other give me the stuff on time the rookies will come. They're not going to hold them back forever. They will come along, um, and I'd rather have it on time. Totally. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to our next topic. Uh, we mentioned a few a few guys you mentioned uh, in that last segment I want to talk about in this segment, sort of like a this or that, because okay. I really, really started because I was – looking at the huge contract extension of Jordan Alvarez, who was a big name in the hobby. Uh, it, actually, a guy who sort of fits into what we're talking about, a guy who got held back, uh, yeah. even though his rookie season was, what, 2019, and then gets held back for 2020. Uh, I believe it was, a, I think I actually learned this from one of your videos, it was a decision by the Players Association, not uh, the the tops themselves. So uh, his stuff got held back. And I think for a guy who's been a DH, I have always been surprised by how much love he gets in the hobby. It's slowed a little bit, but I think for a guy who doesn't play a position, it's pretty incredible, or doesn't regularly play a position at least. I think it's pretty incredible the love he gets compared to some of his teammates. So I thought we'd do a little this or that, compare some of these teammates of some of the best teams in baseball so far, starting with Jordan Alvarez, gets that huge extension. I think it was, what, six years, $115 million. Mm-hmm. Guy has been phenomenal. A incredible, like, looking like a possible generational power hitter right now for the Houston Astros. And over his last 12 games, uh, he's hitting like he's batting 409, a 490 on base percentage, a 1240 OPS. He's fourth in all of baseball and OPS, second in home runs. Uh, just recently a 2018 first Bowman Chrome base auto BGS 9.5 sold uh, on June 5th for about $440. And I show that in comparison to a guy that, I have been big on for a while and think he's very undervalued. It's Kyle Tucker of the Houston of his teammate of the Houston Astros. Uh, he started off four hits in his first 52 at bats. Not so good. So the numbers don't look all that great right now. But in the last 36 games, he's batting 307 with a 944 OPS and seven home runs. And his 2015 Bowman Chrome base auto, first Bowman, I should mention, PSA 10, sold on June 6th for $350. So this or that, are you going with Jordan with the power and all, all that comes with it uh, for about a 440 price tag? Or same card, Kyle Tucker, about $100 less. Who are you going with here? So each have their own baggage and they're both fantastic. So if you're an Astros fan or you're a collector of Tucker and or Alvarez, please don't be offended, but each has their own baggage with what they bring to the table. Kyle Tucker, he's a great defender, great defender. You know, I think he's actually a a relative positive, if not like the top five uh, right fielders for defense. He is an elite hitter. I know his numbers don't always show it, but he has a really high OPS plus. He's able to get on base. He's able to do a lot of things that are really impressive. A career 130 OPS plus, for example. But he's older. I'm going to check, but he's 
in his age 25 season. You might say that's not that old, but when you consider he's only at nine war while Juan Soto's at age, what, 23 with 20 war, it's just hard when trying to look for the long term. So Kyle Tucker, I think his ceiling is extremely high, especially once he figures out his offensive potential more and puts all the tools together. But the bad thing is, again, his age, if you're trying to buy sports cards, he has 2.3 war already this year, which is probably top 30 in the league. So that's great. Then you have Jordan Alvarez, who's also kind of older. But on top of that with Jordan, he does not have any positional value whatsoever. He just doesn't. But Jordan has a higher hit tool than Kyle Tucker probably ever will. Because his ceiling, I don't think we've seen Jordan Alvarez's ceiling yet. I think we know where his floor is. He's going to be a good ball player no matter what offensively. But his ceiling could be amazing. Then you look at Ryan Howard, who was at, at first base, still a terrible defender. One of the first uh, worst first base defensive players all time. He had one of those all-time great seasons. I think that's what Alvarez can bring to the table. If I had to pick one, I probably would pick Kyle Tucker. Um, only reason is because I think his full tool set is what I personally like. And if he can hold that into his mid-30s, I think he'll have better overall numbers when it comes to war. And for that reason, I think we're leaning more towards sabermetrics, whether you like them or not. And I understand both arguments. So I think he'll be that guy. But I, I know you said earlier that it feels like Jordan Alvarez gets a lot of love. Lately, mm -hmm. I feel like if you ever look at any is which player's underrated list, he's always up at the top. So at some point, he's going to be equally rated. And I think we're getting close to that point. Yeah, we, we are getting very close to that. Yeah, I think initially he got a lot of love, but it has slowed a, a little bit. I think, to me, the thing I think about, and I think it's it really comes down to as simple as I think you mentioned it. He doesn't play a position. He plays the DH spot, which maybe that changes now that DH is in both leagues. Maybe yeah. that stigma goes away. But as of right now, I'm not as sold on that because could your for me like Jordan could have a career like a Nelson Cruz. Like if he has a Nelson Cruz yeah, type career, that's a great that's, career. It's a fantastic career. But Nelson Cruz doesn't get any love in the hobby because you know he's just he's a DH. He's always been a DH, and you have to be basically David Ortiz to have that sort of love because he is sort of this transcendent figure who goes beyond baseball. You know, with everything he he kind of represents for. 2004 and 2013 and everything he represents yeah. you have to be that hero. yeah exactly you have to be a face of the franchise that sort of transcendent figure to really go from being a dh to you are you know you have some weight in the hobby um so yeah i think i would lean towards tucker there's enough time there uh for him to sort of figure things out i mean he still is a great player he had a phenomenal year last year was one of the best players in all of baseball so yeah i think uh i i think most of the hobby will probably follow suit and hey if one of these guys if he has a great postseason run uh you'll kind of see i think what you saw with Jordan last year where his stuff went up in october after just a phenomenal uh postseason and they don't have and i, I mentioned it before all the show they don't have that 2017 stink on them which which goes yeah. a long way which is awesome. I'm glad they don't. But like you said, so Nelson Cruz, he also was hit with the PDP uh, yeah. issue, you know, back into the Rangers. So that hurts his value a little bit. I'm looking at his Topps Chrome autograph, which is like his Bowman Chrome because he didn't have one, I don't believe. And they've gone up more than I thought they were. I'm going to go to the sold listings real quick to see what the actual, yeah, you know, I'm curious. 30 bucks, 30 to 40 bucks right now. Okay, well. $54 for a refractor number to 500, but oh, he has wow. 42 career war already. So, and he's really aged well, but yes. That's one thing we need to realize. All these players we like and collect don't always age well, and they aren't going to be all-time greats because of that. So, 
Yeah, exactly. You got to, and that is why the Sotos, the Trouts, these guys stand out. Uh, you can even, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's still probably too early to tell with Soto, but uh, I'd, I'd still put money on it that he's going to be an all-timer. Uh, but it, that's that's why these guys enter that next, the upper echelon, whereas, you know, it yeah. takes it's going to take a while for a Tucker or these other guys. Um, let's move on to one of the best teams in the National League, the New York Mets. Um, a guy that was also a rookie pretty recently and a guy that I always have kind of felt like, Things are like, when, when's it going to catch up? When's the hobby love going to catch up? And I think it finally has. And it's Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets. Uh, six in the NL and OPS. First in home runs or tied for first. Fifth in slugging. Uh, 2016 first Bowman Chrome base auto. Uh, BGS 9.5 recently sold on June 5th for about $775 for him. Versus his teammate who is finally having the season they expected. Francisco Lindor. Uh it has been kind of a roller coaster for him so far. The first uh, yeah. from April 7th to April 24th, he batted 313, 563. Slugging percentage looked great. Then from April 25th to May 21st, batted 179, uh, 263 slugging percentage. But since May 21st, uh, he's right back at it. 340 uh, on, uh, batting average, excuse me, and a 642 slugging percentage. Um, a guy that I think, when before the hobby really exploded was a highly sought after guy um right now actually he's ninth in all of baseball uh, according to fangraphs war at 2.3 uh nine home runs at second among all baseball all, all shortstops in baseball and a first bowman chrome base auto bgs 9.5 recently sold for about 340 dollars for francisco yeah. lindor um i don't have it right off the top of my head but i feel like the age difference for these guys is not that far off and considering the amount of the, the career that Lindor has already started to build up. And I think there is a legit, like starting to build a hall of fame resume for Lindor. Whereas Alonzo is still still feels early in his career, even though he is closer to like, I think he's what 27, 28. Um, and I, I feel like he hasn't had enough time to build that career. Kind of reminds me of Aaron judge where judge is this amazing power hitter, but, yeah. Like his rookie year was what, 24, 25. So kind of gets off to a late start, uh, you know, for baseball players. And if you want to build that Hall of Fame career. So uh, which guy would you go with here? Pete Alonzo and his, I think, 162 game average home runs like 47, which is just mind blowing. Uh, or Francisco Lindor, who I already said it. I think the guy possible, possible Hall of Fame uh, resume that he's building right now. I would, this one's easier. I would go with Lindor 10 times out of 10 times. The reason I say that, he's already at 30 to 35 career war at age 28. And I know war's not everything. I'm only using a summarization of all stats, and I'll get to deeper stats in a second. But Pete Alonso's 27 with only 10 war. You know, Pete Alonso's not going to make the Hall of Fame unless he turns into David Ortiz, like we discussed. He's awesome, and he's a great character, and he seems like a fantastic guy. Like, truly one of the great guys in baseball. You know, friendly, nice, down to earth. And not saying Lindor is a bad dude, but you know Lindor, his main thing is he transitioned from the Cleveland Indians, oh, no, Indians back then, the Guardians now, but he transitioned from them to the Mets. While Pete Alonso, he came up with the Mets. And plus, on top of that, Lindor has the big contract. So there's always going to be more pressure on Francisco Lindor as the guy coming in to be the guy amongst Mets fans. But the thing is, his ceiling where his values are, if he can be the guy for the Mets and Mets fans, his cards have a lot of potential to go up. And only Lindor out of those two has a chance at the Hall of Fame. I know we're looking long, long term. The average uh, shortstop's like, what, 55 to 60 war. He's around 35. So he's more than halfway there technically. 
but he has to repeat some great seasons where he was top five in MVP voting. And I don't know if he has that quite in him this year. He's showing it, but he is a very streaky hitter and he's not just streaky for a 10 game stretch. He's streaky for half a season. He'll be the best player in baseball for half a season. Like he was at times from 2017 to 2019. And then he'll just not be good. Like, it's just interesting how he's always played. I also think Lindor is going to be benefited by banning of the shift that will happen next year to be able to pull the ball a little bit more as a lefty. He'll get more base hits. His average will go up slightly and things like that. So I would go with Lindor 10 times out of 10 times just because I don't think Alonzo's ceiling in regards to value in the hobby is very high. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it. The the age difference is so small that Lindor's only, what, a year older, and he's got so much uh, more Major League experience already uh, than Pete Alonzo. And I think, too, there is, like, Something I've noticed is I feel like slugging first basemen don't like they do well, but they're never the guy who does no. who is the go to player. It is these guys like a star shortstop, a star center fielder. It's these premium positions. Whereas, yeah, you could be 600 home run hitter at first base. And I mean, basically, unless you're Albert Pujols, um, who hell, there's times where I before the season, uh, before you started saying I'm going to retire, I thought some of his stuff was undervalued for the type of amazing career he has put together. Uh, now things have started to catch up, but I think it just kind of goes to show. Like, yeah, you expect power hitting first baseman, whereas you want the flash and pizzazz. And that's really, I think, what sets you apart uh, in, in the hobby market. But uh, Alonzo having, yeah, uh, Alonzo having a great year. Lindor uh, having a, a fantastic year. To me, those are the probably the two Mets uh, to keep an eye on as we go along. Let's move over to the West Coast. One thing uh, before we move on, yeah, yeah. one thing I'll say is there's, for some reason, a lot of value put on certain positions like you already hit on. A shortstop who plays great defense and is above league average offensively, that that could be a Hall of Famer. You know, Derek Jeter, I, he's a great offensive player, over 3,000 hits. His OPS plus, though, for his career, which is drugged down due to him aging like every other player, I believe is like 116 OPS plus. You know, Paul Goldschmidt has a 141 OPS plus right now, but he's a first baseman. And he's not as flashy as a defensive position as Jeter's jump throw and Lindor makes amazing defensive plays. It's just kind of how it goes. So I, I think anybody competing with that, like a great shortstop, is going to have a tough time. Yeah, you you have to be truly, truly exceptional, I think, at first base as an offensive player uh, to break through. But yeah, you're right. It's it's the thing that gets on Sports Center. It's the thing yeah. everybody wants to see. Uh, yeah, the Jeter. I mean, you know, I, I I don't have to get all Yankee fans mad at me about Jeter instead defensive stuff and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it did a lot of the heavy lifting for his uh, for his. Let's legacy. say this: Derek Jeter deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I Absolutely, he does. So don't think I don't think that. Oh no, the baseball has not had a uh, a breakthrough crossover star like Jeter since Jeter. So yes, absolutely, give the man his roses. Uh, let's move over to uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, I mean. It's weird to say the Dodgers are quietly having an, another fantastic season because I just think we're all used to it by now. Like they have been doing this now for almost 20 years, which is a weird thing to say, but is also true. Like they have, I I want to say at least 
yeah, probably the last 18 years have either been the best team in the National League West or the second best team in the National League West. And I would say majority of the time they've been the best team uh, in the NL West, uh, at least in the regular season. Um, the, and the Giants fans just rolled their eyes at you. I hope you know. Oh, that. oh, no. Yeah. I, trust <laughs> me. I said, like I said, in the regular season, uh, three rings says uh, otherwise. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed all three of those very, very well. So, uh, but yes, let, let, I'll, I'll give them a little bit of credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have regular season, whatever. Uh, but Mookie Betts, to me, another guy going into the season where I think, um, uh, I don't want to say undervalued, but there still was a little part of me of like, man, he is like, had a start to his career almost similar to Mike Trout. And I feel like that's a crazy thing to say, but it wasn't that far off at a certain point where yeah. we were legitimately comparing those two guys. And since May 1st, he's got 13 home runs, a 343 batting average, 401 on base, 708 slugging percentage. He leads baseball in runs scored and F war. I mean, I, I didn't even think of him as an MVP candidate till like the last week. I've been thinking Machado, Goldschmidt, uh, you know, and then in the American League, I've been thinking Judge. These are the guys who are having those defining seasons in baseball. And Mookie Betts is the guy leading them all and wins above replacement right now. It's incredible what he's done in Los Angeles, tied for first in home runs, a 2014 first Bowman Chrome base auto, BGS 9.5 recently sold for $1,150. Uh, I put him. It's a, I, yeah, you know, I pit him against Freddie Freeman. We just talked about first baseman, and I think he's great. And I think he was undervalued at a time. His stuff's starting to go up a little bit, having a good year. He's in about the top 15 in almost every offensive category except home runs. I think he's on pace for 12 home runs at the moment, which would be even lower than his total in 2020. That'll probably come around. Uh, a 2009 first Bowman Chrome base auto PSA 10 sold on May 24th for $561. The price difference here, obviously, is basically the bets is double. And But you said it. I still feel like bets is the better buy here. So you're talking to a, so one thing I want to say, I'm a Rockies fan. So mm. you say the Dodgers quietly went unnoticed as the best team in the national league West. It was oh, not yeah. quiet for me. So no, no, anyway. I'm a Giants fan, so <laughs> Giants fan here. So me neither. I am noticing it all too it's well. Been, it's been a living hell uh, the last 10 years, <laughs> but, um, but no, honestly, Freddie Freeman, <laughs> I need to be tactful in how I say this. He's very good. And I think he will probably be a hall of famer. But he only has 44.8 career war at age 32. You know, John Olerud finished his career with 57 war as a first baseman, and he is not in the Hall of Fame. And he didn't really get real consideration. Freddie Freeman, on the other hand, has had better peak than John Olerud. So I want to say that outright. Paul Goldschmidt is a little bit older. He's 34, but he has less major league experience, has better numbers. No one cares. He has like 53 war and he has more home runs and, and all these things. But as a first baseman, Freeman only has 275 home runs so far in his career. He has a 138 career OPS plus, which is great at 38% better than league average. But again, Paul Goldschmidt has 144. So first baseman since 2011, that's when they technically both debuted. Paul Goldschmidt has been arguably the better offensive player. So Mookie Betts, though, he, on the other hand, has been able to do a lot of things that no one's ever been able to do, at least not for a long time. Um, I'm biased. I love Mookie Betts, and that's a majority of my PC, him and Trout. But currently, he is, I believe, tied for second all-time in defensive war, according to baseball reference, at 12.1 behind Roberto Clemente at 12.2. And he's still playing elite glo uh, goal glove defense. So he will be considered by defensive war as the best defensive right fielder all-time when he finishes. But on top of that, he still has an OPS plus of around 135. 
So about the same offensive player as Freddie Freeman, but one of the best defensive right fielders ever. Not the best. I know there's other stats that would say he's not compared to Roberto Clemente and and, uh, Jason Hayward and all these different players. But he's also able probably to end with 200 stolen bases at the end of his career. He's just all around amazing. And that's why you see his war totals be so high because it's offensive runs, base running runs, defensive runs, all these different things that really make a good ball player. They, a run saved on defense is as good as a run knocked in on offense. A run created in the base paths is equal to a run on offense. And it's hard to really explain that when you see the eye test show somebody be a little bit better. But all around value is different than just one tool. So Mookie Betts to me, I, I think he's 29 years old. He is on pace for probably 90 war. You know, I think he is, in my eyes, I pick him over probably anybody not named. Well, it's hard with Acuna, Tati, Soto, but Trout in that same era, same age group, I would pick Mike Trout than Mookie Betts from anybody over age 25. Yeah, I think that bat, I, I think you're right on the money. It's to me, it's he is so. Uh, this was kind of a make or break year in a weird way because yeah. his cards year, it was. Yes, Not absolutely. For his career, but for his cards, yes. it definitely was. 100%. And that's why when he started so slow, I was just like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, there yeah. goes my value, my collection. Yeah. But no, Here he's. He goes again. He turned it on like, and we are also talking about even year Mookie. And what I mean by that with Mookie, 2016 MVP runner up behind Mike Trout with a 9.5 war season. 2018, he won the MVP with over 10 war. Uh, in 2020, he was second runner up behind Freddie Freeman, actually, his teammate, when he had the most war in all of baseball. And now we're in 2022, where he's leading the war, leading the league again in a war. It's just funny how, just like the Giants, you know, the even year championship thing, we have Mookie doing the same thing every yeah, other was, year essentially i was, I was gonna say i know a little bit about even your magic uh <laughs> so mookie turned it on just to just to have the giants winning in an even year that's all so you know nice consolation for the dodgers but yeah. uh but no really like he is like i said at that price point and he's more than freeman but yeah it's just like he is when it's all said and done i think he is going to be probably one of the two or three best players of his generation yeah. um just a phenomenal talent of the 2010s and, i would argue that for sure and and i yeah. will say audier mookie he's still good he had you know in 2015 yeah. 6.1 war 6.4 in 2017 uh 7.3 in 2019 but we're talking about like 10 see a 10 war ceiling and that's yeah that's not many players ever achieved that in major league baseball so no, there's there's probably three or four maybe five guys we could we could put right bryce now. harper you know bryce yes. harper mike trout mookie betts from the 2010s are like the guys so yeah Absolutely. That's your outfield. That is your 2010s. To the, that, that is that generational outfield. It's Harper. It's Betts. It's Trout. And uh, Betts, I think, just it, it, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, the, the conversation for years has been Trout and Harper interconnected. But yeah, Betts is right there. And, and a guy that uh, I, I think maybe this is why his stuff uh, is only starting to catch up now. Now, and again, that it was sort of a make or break for the hobby is what he does best is when you're watching the game live and what he does, like he caught, like he gets on base and it just causes the disruption. He doesn't even necessarily have to steal, but his base running ability, obviously yeah. the ability to steal, uh, to extend, uh, you know, to go from first to third, like those sorts of things. And obviously what he does uh, with the power within the field, he just does everything so well and is such a, like he's, you know he's there. His his presence is felt every single moment of a game that you're playing against Mookie Betts and uh, phenomenal talent that I, I think is 
only it's got a lot more years left uh, to 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 build up that Hall of Fame pedigree for sure. And I will say, Freddie Freeman, out of anybody not named Mookie Betts, we talked about is the second best buy. So I don't yeah. want you to think I hate Freddie Freeman. I'm just saying, <laughs> in my opinion, it's that way. And if anybody here listens to my videos, you know I talk about Mookie all the time. So I apologize. You have to hear this again, but yeah, my guy, yeah. you gotta you gotta have fun with collecting, and that's who I enjoy. So he's he's a phenomenal talent. And yeah, you're right. If you had to bring up again, Freddie versus everybody else we just talked about, yeah, I I, I think Easy. I. Easy decision. Oh, yeah. I've been saying for a while, but I think Freddie is a very underrated player uh, in the hobby and uh, uh, is finally, I think, starting to catch up now that he's playing in L.A. So uh, let's wrap things up real quick with our final segment. It's called the Taxi Squad. Every week we look at who's on the Taxi Squad, who are we calling up, who are we sending down, and who is sitting on the bench, who are we holding, buy, sell, or hold, basically, uh, with some of the ups and downs, these best performers and some of the lowlights of the week. going to start with the third baseman from the Atlanta Braves, Austin Wright. Riley, who's had a very good run these last couple weeks. Huge season last year. Braves fans were calling a foul, crying a foul, saying this man should have been an MVP. He should have won the MVP. Uh, and he's showing why right now. He's got six home runs in the last two weeks, a 780 slugging percentage, good for nearly a 1,200 OPS. He's tied for fifth in all of baseball and home runs. Recently, a 2019 Topps Chrome rookie auto base PSA 10 sold for just about $260 on June 5th. Austin Riley, um, where are you at with him? I think well, he's in, in his 20, age 25 season. Good young player. Uh, are you buying? Are you selling? Are you holding on Austin Riley right now? I'm personally, I think Austin Riley is great. I don't want to make Braves fans mad and everybody else mad. But uh, Austin Riley is a great player. But he's 25. He had a great breakout year last year, you know, top 10 MVP finish. Um, for me, he just doesn't quite have enough time to get to where he needs to be it's really hard to get to that age but you could argue with him literally a buy sell and a hold if it was me personally i would probably sell uh, or hold but if someone is buying i can't argue with that because he has looked really good from one of the most uh loved teams in all of professional baseball probably a top five you know third baseman even a top three third baseman currently in major league baseball and because of that i could totally see the, the buy but i'm probably a sell or a hold yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the either hold until maybe a postseason run as the Braves are now back at 500. I think they're this is probably the start of a nice run for them. They're they're better than what they've played like so far. I think um, I can't help it, but the, the thing that's always holding me back with him, why I can't ever fully accept like this is going to be one of the faces of baseball. Like I think a lot of Braves fans believe is when I look at him and maybe it's the body type or he just looks like it, but he got the same position, the same profile <laughs> as Troy Glouse. And I just see Troy Glouse every time I see him. And Troy Glouse, great career, had a fantastic career. Again, I know it too well in 2002. We don't need to talk about what happened in 2002 with the Angels and Giants, but great career for a Troy Glouse. And if Austin Riley has that type of career, he should be very happy. I just don't know if that reflects very well in the hobby. Um, and I was even looking at the numbers. I'm like, am I That's crazy? And he's kind of got a similar, everything about it statistically kind of similar right now. So maybe so it's, I want to give, I want to hype him up real quick. I want to give him some, some steam here. Yeah. But, uh, his sprint speed, 64th percentile, right? That's really good for a first yeah. baseman. His average exit velocity, 97th percentile. His max exit velocity, 97th percentile. He, he strikes out a lot, but that's fine. That's totally not a big deal. Hard hit percentage, 98th percentile. He's good. But then you get to his outs above average, which is the defensive metric that looks at how many outs he's saved or hurt his team based uh, compared to his peers. He's third percentile. So not a great defender there. 
if you look at baseball reference, he looks like he's a positive defender. It's just pick your poison on which, you know, defensive metric you like. It's so hard. I prefer outs above average because it seems more accurate based off of StatCast data. But Austin Riley, he has 45 to 50 home run potential. You know, he has these things in the hobby, which in the short term can make you so much money if you're looking to buy and sell. And you can become a fan favorite if he stays with Atlanta his entire career. If you look at, again, Ryan Howard, we talked about him already. He had a great peak and his card's worth a lot of money. Now, not so much as we look at, you know, he's a first baseman, not too much war value or advanced analytics, but he had his time. And I think Austin Riley could be that for you. So if you want to buy for the short term, that makes sense. I just think for the long term, not for me. But I think that he's going to have some great years coming up. Absolutely. I absolutely do. And I think that he's probably in the middle of I think this Braves team is on the upswing right now. Acuna looks back and healthy. Matt Olson, yeah. I think, is very quietly having a very good year in Atlanta. Uh, as this team starts, as the summer heats up, that team's going to heat up. And I think he'll heat up as well. He's he's a, he's a very, totally. very talented player. Uh, move on to a position that is not valued as much in the hobby. Uh, catcher, specifically Chicago Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras who is putting together the best season of his career. He leads all MLB catchers in war, weighted runs, created plus. He leads them in home runs. The last two weeks, he's got about 1,100 uh, OPS, 1,127, having a great year. Unfortunately, Cubs not having a great year. Could be yeah. a guy who's traded midseason. You don't see catchers traded midseason very often. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I actually personally just think it could swing either way with him either. I, I wouldn't be that shocked to see the Cubs actually lock him up for a couple more years because catcher is such a premium position and you've got a good one with Contreras. Uh, So uh, recently a Wilson Contreras 2016 first Bowman Chrome green numbered to 99 BGS 9.5. It's an auto uh, sold on June 4th for 200 bucks. Um, Pretty uh, as far as bargains go. That's yeah, that's uh, as far as bargains go on this list. That's probably about as cheap a card for that uh, for a numbered card like that that you're going to find among the guys we're talking about here. But again, catcher playing on the Cubs could get traded. Might be the time to sell. Uh, What are you thinking? I would sell. Uh, If you look at the history of his career, he's a 115 OPS plus guy. And I'm using OPS plus, but just because, again, it's a, a very summarized stat. You know, if we had a conversation about him in depth, you could look at home runs and his frame rate and all these different things. But this is the best year of his career at age 30. Unless you're Yadier Molina, it's hard to age well at the catcher position. You know, we look at Buster Posey. He had a great final year to his career, but he had a few bad years before that. You look at Joe Maurer, same situation. Um, it's just hard to be good. And so for that reason, I would be selling right now. But if you're a Cubs fan and you can extend him and make him a Cub forever, then you should buy his cards and enjoy him. But for me, if I had some cards I held in 2016, probably sell. Yeah, I think that if, if it's going to go one way, I, I I would bet they're going to trade him. I think they might lock him up. Uh, I think this Cubs team is more of like a soft reset. They want to probably compete in the next year or two, I would imagine. Uh, with that Seo Suzuki deal probably shows that they are committed to winning, at least in the nearer term than we might expect. But yeah, it's catchers. Uh, we talked about yeah. it a few weeks ago. Well, when Marcus at- Stroman, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we talked about it on an episode a couple of weeks ago about the catcher market. You know, it's with Adley Rushman getting called up. These guys are going to get their their stuff is real big at first when they're a top big top catching prospect. Their stuff will sell for a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and even if you are a Buster Posey or a Joe Maurer where you've got a borderline case for the Hall of Fame or you think they're the hall in the Hall of Fame, 
they just that that value just does not keep up. So uh, yeah, probably strike when the while the iron is hot. If you uh, got some Wilson Contreras cards, uh, let's talk about a young player playing for the Minnesota Twins, Jose Miranda. Uh, last eleven games of three sixty one batting average, he's got an eleven hundred OPS uh, in thirty six at bats. That includes three home runs. Top 100 prospect heading into the year, uh, according to MLB Pipeline and Baseball America. Uh, 30 home runs and a 973 OPS across double and triple A in 2021. A raw first Bowman paper base auto recently sold for $66. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think there's also a market here because of who his cousin is. Like how many people have a a cousin who is more famous than them is cousin Lin-Manuel Miranda. So uh, I'll just throw that out there too, that maybe that gives a bit of a curiosity. If you're a Jose Miranda collector, you're thinking about it. Uh, 66 bucks, not the worst bet for a guy who hit 30 bombs in the minors last year. Are you uh, buying, selling or holding on this guy? Man, I'm just a pessimistic over here, aren't I? I'm probably going to hold or sell. Just because yeah. so many prospects make it to the big leagues and fizzle out, 24 years old, you know, there's just some things like I think now is a great time to actually sell out. You know, in three years, if Jose Miranda keeps it up, his cards might be worth roughly the same amount. That's when you should buy. You know, once you have some, once you have some proof of how good he can be, but I'm probably a sell and buy. I mean, sell and hold on Jose Miranda. How about yourself? What are you thinking? Uh, I'm like, if it's a speculative buy, if it's for me, if it's like. You can get his auto for like under 75 bucks. I'm kind of like, yeah, why not? Like I put more into a slot machine and and lost it all, you know? Uh, so like, why not take a bet on a guy who's, who's doing, doing pretty well right now? Uh, hey, if it doesn't work out, it, it doesn't work out. But if you've got the money that you feel like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll bet a little bit on it. Because um, the Twins have got this, a lot of good young players right now coming up through the system. I would maybe rather take a safer bet and spend a little more on maybe a Royce Lewis instead, especially totally. uh, looked good when he got called up. I know he's dealing with some injuries, but I think there's a probably a bigger, uh, there, there's a much bigger payoff for Royce Lewis than it is for Miranda. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm such a sucker for like the small bet. Like, Hey, this guy's looking good right now. Hey, okay. 30 home runs in the minors in a season. Why not take a bet? So, but at the same time, probably uh, the safety, the smarter thing is to probably just wait it out and see if it goes down a little bit more because it probably will. Uh, last guy I want to talk about is a guy who was the sort of second hyped prospect in top okay. series one, maybe not the second most, but one of the other guys, uh, a teammate of Wander Franco uh, would be Vidal Brujan, an- another guy who's perennial top prospect over the last few years. And his ranking never really wavered. He was always right in that like top 50 ish range, top 60, uh, put up good numbers in the minor leagues, but he's having a hard time in the matrix. His last 11 games batting 167 in a, low 200 slugging percentage right now and overall a 379 OPS in 23 games very small sample size and in 60 at bats in triple a he is he does have an 867 OPS um you hope he doesn't turn into like a 4a guy because we're seeing like unfortunately a guy I was big on Joe Adele yeah uh, just just cannot figure it out of the major leagues but he goes to triple a and just is tearing it up uh, recently for Bruhan, a 2020 Bowman Chrome first, uh, first Bowman Chrome yellow auto number to 75 sold, uh, on June 1st for $325. Uh, that was a PSA wow. 10. Um, where are you at on Vidal Bruhan? Still feels a little early, uh, although 
two years older than Wander Franco and don't see as much of a positional fit going forward, especially when they get Brown, Brandon Lau healthy and, totally. and uh, Wander Franco gets back. I just don't see there being a really a, a place on the field for him at the major league level. That was my argument is how much playing time is he really going to get? If he's not playing well, the Rays organization is very cutthroat. They will platoon you. They will bench you. They will put you in the minor leagues until they want you. Like it's not a traditional way organizations run. So you can't really struggle. If you struggle there, they have raised magic and they'll trade for somebody making great. It's, it's a very hard pick. He's 24 years old. He's older than Tatis. He's older than Soto Acuna's age, you know, and he's not performing yet. It just, it's just tough. And so I probably, if I had some high end Vidal Bruhan and I would probably wait for a peak, I would wait till there's a couple hot games and then I'd sell. <laughs> so I would hold until I can sell, you know, depending on yeah. what I bought in at. But if you want to believe in him, if you if you watch him at AAA, what, what's there? Is it um, Durham? Is that where the Rays I think players so, yeah. play? Yeah. If you watch him at Durham and you're like, he has all the tools and you know, you can do your research on him and say he's good. You're not going to find a better time to buy his cards without cheap he's going to be in the next six months. So yeah. I can totally see an argument for him as a top prospect status. It's just, is he going to play? And that's that's the hard thing. And you have um, some great players that'll make it tough for him. Yeah, it's just there's a lot. You know, Tampa is a good organization. They're a good team. They got a lot of talent there. So if you're not cutting it, they they there's no loyalty there. It's like it's the best and the worst thing about that organization is they will yes. cut ties real fast, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm kind of in agreement with you. I don't see that much of a bounce. Like I just don't see where the ceiling gets much higher from here. Um, yeah. it was even I know when he's a top hundred prospect, but even like when we were first ripping open series one and people were like, Bruhan, Bruhan. I was like, Whoa, okay. Where's this coming from? Like, I know he's kind of touted, but like didn't expect people to be as high on him. Maybe it's just the Rays uh, love with Wander. So people were just kind of pushing, getting, <laughs> spreading it out to him as well. So I mean, I, I get it because he does have top prospect status. And you know, we think of the Rays, they could try out some great prospects. Yeah. It's just, I think we overestimate how easy it is to play baseball. Yes, you know, 100%. out of the twenty-two thousand players to play Major League Baseball, only two hundred and forty-one of them are in the Hall of Fame, I believe, for position players, not managers and umpires. But it's just—it's very tough to make the Hall of Fame. It's between two hundred and fifty to three hundred, you know. So the odds of having long-term value is just not there, and your window for short-term value closes once a prospect struggles, as you've seen with Joe Adele. So it's just—it's a tough time to be a prospector either you can sell right before they debut or you can hold for a while and hope for the best so yeah so i, yeah. I have one for you let's see what you think here oh yeah please one. throw it at john, me john carlos stanton he, yeah he's Ooh, hitting 282 yeah. 145 ops plus 854 ops you know uh he's having a good career 45 career war mvp he's on pace to probably have 500 home runs are you buying selling or holding john carlos stanton you know, he's a guy that I have kind of one. I've always liked him when he was going to get traded. I wanted desperately for the <laughs> Giants to get him. And I know people are like, are you kidding me with that contract? I'm like, he almost hit 70. He could hit 70 runs if he was healthy. Um, <laughs> gosh, he's the toughest one because I really think when it's all said and done, he's going to end up with like close to 600 home runs. I, I really do, uh, especially playing probably primarily DH at the end of his career. And I think for him, it's it sort of reminds me of like a better version of when Giambi went to New York. Like when Giambi went to New York, there was like you look at what he did during those times. 
and he had he had good years. He like made all star teams. He had a very d- good career. It's just that they yeah. didn't perform the postseason. And I think there was this expectation of like he's going to be even better here. Like, oh my god, he was hitting 45, 50 home runs in Oakland. He's going to hit seventy in New York. He's going to break records, and it didn't happen. And I think you're sort of seeing the same thing happen with Stanton. And I know the injuries have been a concern and stuff like that, but I am more I, I guess i'm hold and almost leaning a little by because i think he is going to eventually hit those landmarks and you're seeing with guys like cabrera and pool that eventually when they sort of you, they they play out enough time and they realize oh crap like this guy's got three thousand hits he's got 500 home runs this is the best one of the best hitters of his generation i'm not saying stanton is those guys but i think we are going to one day wake up and realize Oh, we just watched one of the probably best power hitter, maybe the best power, pure power hitter of his generation. And I think being in New York hurt his value instead of making it better because of the criticism, because of the expectation that comes with it. So in short, yeah, holding for now because of the injuries and all that. But if I think there's some deals out there where I would be swayed to buy. I think so too. I think he's a sneaky, sneaky player. You know, that's a, that's one that can go either way real fast, depending on how his mid-30s go. But if you look at someone like Nelson Cruz, he has a Nelson Cruz 30s, which is rare, but if he does, he could easily get there. So it's an interesting, I'd say, hold and buy as well. Only argument against him since 2019, he's only played 222 games, and that's yeah. four seasons. He had COVID season, but in the COVID-shortened season, he only played 23 out of the 60 games. So it's just, it's tough. You know, it's hope he can stay healthy. Between him and Judge, it's a fun team to watch when they're both there. I can't imagine being a pitcher and facing them. Yes, you can oh, strike God. them out, but man, they're going to take you 500 if they if you yeah. throw something just a little bit wrong. So the fact that the Yankees are doing what they're doing, by the way, with uh, basically now Stanton has been sort of you know the same injuries that sort of t- that that tend to happen. Um, I know Rizzo's been doing great, but the fact like Joey Gallo is one of them has been one of the yeah. worst in I baseball. feel bad for Joey Gallo actually. Yeah. I do too. I, 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 I thought, yeah, right. he's, I think he's doing okay overall, but uh, there was a lot of money. So I probably yeah. shouldn't care. That's... It's like, oh, Joey. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Fans are so mean to him. <laughs> I know uh, he hit a big home run the other day and it felt, it looked good. It felt good to see that. Cause I genuinely thought like Joey Gallo is going to hit like two twenty and hit 65 home runs in that ballpark. Yeah. Uh, and it's not quite happening yet, but uh, the, the fact that they're doing what they're doing uh, without that is, is, pretty remarkable and also kind of shows you what Aaron Judge is doing this year it's pretty totally yeah totally absolutely wild uh well hey Scott this was a lot of fun thanks so much for coming on the show uh where can we check you out if you got anything to plug uh plug away the YouTube (laughs) channel uh where can we find you yeah and I have a YouTube channel called Scotty B cards I keep the movie conversation to a minimum so please don't (laughs) think you're gonna hear that only uh, but I also have an Instagram uh, that's also called, I think it's Scotty underscore B underscore cards, but same thing. Check it out. Feel free to say hi. I'll always try to get back to everybody. But yeah, YouTube, YouTube channel is fun. I post two to three times every week talking about different types of sports card collecting and investing type stuff. So Awesome. Well, Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show. Enjoy the conversation and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Big thanks once again to Scotty B. Make sure to check out the YouTube channel, Scotty B Cards. One of the best, a go-to for me, a must-watch for any baseball card collector. 
And we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you like what you heard and you're not already subscribed, make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to podcasts. Mojo Break Sports Card Show. Search it. If you're listening to us some other place, make sure to search that wherever you listen to podcasts. Mojo Break Sports Card Show. Subscribe. New episodes every Tuesday. And new episodes of our flagship show, The Hype, every Thursday where we talk about all sorts of sports cards on that show. Until next week, I'm Cody Pasby. Thanks so much for listening to Wax Packs and Warning Tracks.